Hey, y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today. Enjoy the show. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was April 24th, 1932. About 500 walkers, mostly from Manchester, England, trespassed and walked from Hayfield to Kinder Scout. Their goal was to call attention to the fact that walkers had been denied access to open country. The trespass marked an uptick in the Right to Rome movement. Centuries ago, people could graze cattle, cut lumber, and get water from common lands. But in the 1400s, landowners began marking the boundaries around their property. In the 1700s and 1800s, Enclosure Acts turned millions of acres of common land into land in privately owned estates. Some people, eager to have access to land that was once common, snuck onto the now private land. Trespassing began to have serious legal consequences, even death for a period of time. People began demanding the right to roam, or the freedom to walk through certain public and private land for recreation. In 1884, Parliament made its first demand for the right to roam. This attempt and many ones to follow were unsuccessful. In the late 1800s, areas in northern England were becoming more industrial. As a way to escape the smoke and other environmental ills that industrialism caused, workers from Manchester and other industrial cities would escape to the moorlands and mountains in Peak District, an upland area in England. In 1900, the Sheffield Clarion Ramblers became the first Northern Workers Rambling Club. Ramblers, or walkers, would leave busy cities and head to more natural landscapes for better environs and self-improvement. By 1932, industrial and mining areas in the UK were dealing with the Great Depression. Still, workers traveled to walk on greener land. One place that was particularly popular was Kinder Scout, a moorland plateau in Derbyshire. But to many people, the walkers' visits were more than just innocent strolls through nature. To landowners, the ramblers were somewhere they weren't supposed to be. The Duke of Devonshire owned most of the reservoirs and mountains at Kinderscout, and he wanted the land to be available for other locals to shoot grouse. Walkers were warned not to traverse the land. People and organizations began to see the right to roam as a class issue. The British Workers' Sports Federation, which was affiliated with the Communist Party of Great Britain, began to play a role in advocacy for rambling. Benny Rothman was an outdoors enthusiast and charismatic leader in the Lancashire wing of the British Workers' Sports Federation. At an Easter camp for the organization, members were harassed by gamekeepers on a walk to Bleak Low and forced to head back to their camp. This inspired the Ramblers to plan a mass trespass advocating for land access. As a diversion, the Ramblers distributed false information about a British Workers' Sports Federation rally in Hayfield. Instead, they met at a nearby quarry via a route that cars could not use. Hundreds of adults and children were in the crowd of ramblers. They walked north past the Kinder Reservoir and down an established right-of-way to William Clough, an ascent with views of Manchester and Cheshire. From there, the ramblers went up to the forbidden Kinder Moorlands. 
When they got there, they had to fight off gamekeepers, and they won those scuffles, during which a gamekeeper had been hurt. But they still had to face the police at Hayfield. Several ramblers were arrested, none of which were over 23 years old. When they went to trial, all of the men were charged with offenses related to riotous assembly and assault and given jail time. But the sentences inspired greater movement in the right to roam fight. People held rallies and more mass trespasses the same year. Once the Second World War began, the country's attentions shifted and ramblers joined the war or remained active in the labor movement in other ways. But once the Labor Party came to power in 1945, land reform became more of a focus. By 1949, the National Parks and Countryside Act passed, creating the National Parks Commission. Soon, the Peak District became Britain's first national park. In 2000, the Labor government passed the Countryside and Rights of Way Act, which implemented the right to roam and land mapped as open country or registered common land in England and Wales. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have any burning questions or comments to tell us, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. Thanks for joining me on this trip through time. See you here in the exact same spot tomorrow. Hey y'all, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a podcast that proves you really do learn something new every day. Just a quick warning before we start the show today, this podcast does contain content about genocide. The day was April 24th, 1915. The Armenian Genocide began when around 250 Armenian intellectuals and politicians were arrested. Most of the people who were arrested were killed in the following months. The Turkish government refuses to recognize the deportations and massacres that followed as genocide, claiming that the killings were necessary and there was no official policy for killing Armenians. However, most historians consider it a genocide, since it was a planned and systematic effort to kill a specific group of people. In the 15th and 16th centuries, Armenia came under control of the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was home to Christians, Muslims, and Jewish people, but it was dominated by ethnic Turks. Christian Armenians, as well as other Christian communities, were minorities in the empire. Armenians did have a strong sense of community under Ottoman rule. But in the second half of the 19th century, Turkish nationalism that favored ethnic and religious majorities was on the rise and Armenians were on the receiving end of Turkish persecution. As the 20th century approached, political instability, economic issues, and military defeats weakened the empire. At the same time, Turkish nationalist movements were growing stronger. Armenians were one of the largest Christian groups in the Ottoman Empire. They were civically and economically successful, and many Armenian elites were well-educated and highly influential. Their prominence inspired resentment among Turkish nationalists. Russian Armenians participated in the Russo-Turkish War of 1877 to 1878. 
After the Russian victory in the war, Russia insisted in the Treaty of San Stefano that the Ottoman Sultan, Sultan Abdul Hamid II, reform Armenian administration. The Armenian question, or the issue of the protection and rights of Armenians in the Ottoman Empire, was a topic that was growing in importance in Turkish politics. Young Armenian activists organized to demand independence from the Ottoman Empire and to call for reforms. But despite proposed European-backed reforms that Ottoman authorities supposedly supported, hundreds of thousands of Armenians were murdered in massacres from 1894 to 1896. By the beginning of the 20th century, there were somewhere around 2 or 2.5 million Armenians living in the Ottoman Empire. But Ottoman authorities continued to institute oppressive measures against Armenians, including putting restrictions on property ownership and religious practices. And more Armenians were killed in riots and pogroms in 1909. When the Young Turk movement seized power in the Ottoman Empire in 1908, there was hope that Armenians and other minorities would not face as much persecution. But over time, the Young Turks became more authoritarian. They intended to Turkify the empire and to resolve the Armenian question violently. When World War I broke out in 1914, the Young Turks joined on the side of the Central Powers. When they suffered defeats to the Russians, they shifted blame to the Armenians who sided with Russia and deemed them a threat to the state. So Armenians serving in the Ottoman army were removed from active duty and transferred into labor battalions. And on April 24, 1915, the government ordered the arrest of 250 Armenian intellectuals and community leaders, mainly in the Ottoman capital, which was then called Constantinople. The government then began to deport Armenians from eastern Anatolia, a move that was soon authorized by the Ottoman parliament. It confiscated Armenian properties and businesses. It sent Armenians on death marches across the Syrian desert to concentration camps, with people dying of exhaustion and starvation along the way. It kidnapped children, and it sponsored mass executions of Armenians. The Ottoman Empire fell in 1922, and Turkey was formally declared a republic in 1923. By this time, many Armenians in the Ottoman Empire had died, fled, or been expelled. That said, there's no consensus on the number of people who died in the genocide. Some countries sent aid to the Armenian people, but the perpetrators of the genocide went largely unpunished. Law student Raphael Lemkin was influenced by the Armenian massacres to coin the term genocide. Turkey denies the Ottoman government's role in the systematic killing of Armenians and has instituted laws restricting discussion about the genocide. Many other countries have avoided recognizing the massacres as a genocide to keep from harming relations with Turkey. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you have any suggestions about episode topics or any comments, you can send them to us via social media. We're at T-D-I-H-C podcast. You can also send us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening to the show and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.